Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Sunday Roast. And this time we're live. Yeah, live for a change. So we have two wonderful guests with us tonight, uh, t- today, tonight, today, today, this morning. Um, let's start off with uh, Tim, an old friend of the show. Tim, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who's been living under a rock for the last number of years? <laughs> no, no, no. I've been living under a rock with them. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's. But I do, I do appreciate your 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 problem with time of day. I feel like it's night too. Um, I, I was just doing a concert the other day, and I've not really recovered from 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 a taxi journey back from Exeter because of the train strike. Um, you know why people can't actually negotiate? I don't understand. Anyway, look, uh, I'm I, I'm I'm Tim. I'm 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 a sort of um, I'm a professor in a university that I can never go back to, um, and I, I I have a little YouTube channel. Um, I have an inst. I, I I have a blue tick on Instagram now. I'm terribly excited. I don't know what to do with it. Um, no, I really don't know what to do with it. I I'm not likely to be going on Instagram and say, <clears throat> selling ASOS bikinis. So I I have no idea. I have no idea how to monetize it. Um, and without monetizing, I just give a sort of wave to people every Sunday and think, well, maybe that's enough. But maybe somebody's got an idea. But Curtis, you know what I can do with Instagram, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> It's like a lava lamp. It's like a lava. All, all hail to the lava. I think, I think you've got a lot more followers than I have, actually. So, what, Curtis? You, yeah, sorry. Anyway, anyway the lava. The, I said you've probably got a lot more followers than I have. So, <laughs> have I really? No, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, in my case, I think it's a matter of hanging on to what I've got because I don't think I'm going to get any more on Instagram. But uh, you know. It's very flattering. It's very flattering to sort of reach the age of sixty-two, and and one finds one's got an Instagram following. I, I it, so so maybe it's not just for small small people. Maybe it's for bigger people too. <laughs> the, I, the, the, the bigger size, and and and, and then uh, I I I've got to find my oat munchie because my 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 cat's developed constipation. I thought I ought to go out in sympathy, um, and so I'm eating eating oat munchies. And hoping I hope that everyone's that be... enjoying their coffee this morning. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm that that be ultimately efficacious. Um, <clears throat> right. Is, is, that, is that enough about me? Have I have I said? What I, know? I think so. Curtis, can you I, I've given a sort yourself? of illusion, <laughs> an illusion of, and, I, and I'm terribly serious as well <clears throat> about politics. I'm I'm up there with Curtis. Curtis <laughs> and, and Max. Max, I never know whether to call you Max or Mark. Shall I call you Max for the as, moment? As you, as you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, there we are. Nice to be back. And Curtis, can you tell us a bit about yourself too? I don't think I can get quite as an intro as that one, but it was thoroughly enjoyed. Um, my name's Curtis Daly. I uh, do political commentary um, and mostly do work for Turn Left. And I also work at the Canary as a journalist slash political commentator. Um, I'm someone who would be probably described as a, a normie or used to be a normie. Um I was never always political. I was not in political circles. Anytime I talked about politics with my friends and family, they just wanted me to shut up. They didn't care. So I decided to start ranting on YouTube during lockdown. And I guess it's slightly grown since then. Um, but it is an absolute pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me on. Great to have you on. It's a pleasure to have you. <clears throat> thank you. My Am I allowed, allowed to say that you, you look like the Mandalorian? <laughs> We without definitely did not discuss that before the live. Yes, thank you very without, much. Without the mask. What, what's it, his What's his name again? I don't know. I can't remember. Pascal oh. or something. Um, but he's he's very. He's, I I think you should make a bid <clears throat> to replace him. 
to go on Disney. I, I would I would I would turn you on. No, it's come out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I can I can I can I can I take I take that as a compliment. <clears throat> can I can I can I tell you though, um when 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 I went on this reality TV show, I, I asked my partner whether or not I should do it, and he said to me, uh, "Ah, well, it would be the first time I can turn you off uh, when you're on television." <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. Or switch you off, I think. <laughs> at, at least, at, at least, courtesy didn't make a, a Grogu comment. I think Mandalorians considered quite quite chic, quite cool. Um, Max, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about British politics and uh, Brexit in particular. And my wonderful co-host, Alex, tell, tell us about yourself for anyone who's new to the show. Hi, I'm Alex, also known as Political X on YouTube. I'm a historian and political teacher. So shall we get into it, everyone? Are we are we all ready for we're going to do some gossip? On Philip Schofield. Oh, can we? Um, Who? We can, <laughs> Professor Tim. Now, Professor Tim, this is a topic that you seem to want to bring up. There is a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of what really is going on at ITV. And it also links into sort of the Department of Culture, Media and... Oh, it does. That, 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 that's, that, that's really the point. Because people would think, oh, people think... Uh, it's all about Caroline Flack, but not in the way you think, not in the Dan Wooten sort of um, way, or, in, or even in the hint that Philip Schofield gave um, the other day when he did his sort of brave interview. Have you noticed how in all the close-ups now, he's looking significantly older and in black and white? Uh, but I, So I have no doubt, I, I have no doubt that he's miserable. I have no so doubt- Professor Tim, before, before we go any further, can you tell our viewers what happened with Philip Schofield oh, and Caroline Flack? Right. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, um, Philip Schofield uh, came out as gay and then and then ultimately came very suddenly and then ultimately came out as uh, uh, somebody who's had an affair. He's now said that affair was only five or six times. It's getting rather detailed uh, with a person who we're not allowed to name, apparently. But if you look him, look him up on the Internet, he's all over the Internet and begins with M. It's like talking to somebody from James Bond, isn't it? So uh, Philip Schofield had a had a relationship in his dressing room is it's, it's quite specific in his dressing room four or five times with a young lad called m um is is if you if you accept this mission this mission will self-destruct in form in four seconds and that, that, that's mission his impossible that's not that is mission impossible that's mission impossible <laughs> so um <clears throat> and, and 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 m did uh did a sort of showreel which Philip Schofield arranged on the sofa. And he was really very good, very presentable. There's a young fellow in GB News who I think looks very much like him. Can't remember his name now. So he's clearly not very memorable. Rafty something, um, yeah. Is it Rafty? It's not Rafty. It's uh, Tom, 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 Tom Hooker, Tom, Tom Bauer. Ha Tom Hard Hard Hardwood? Hardwood. Hardwood. Tom Hardwood. Tom, Tom Harwood. Yeah. Harwood. Harwood. Tom Harwood. Tom Harwood. So this, this fellow looks a bit like Tom Harwood. Um, and I, I, I think his future really isn't on a sofa. I think his future, he should, he should go into mainstream news. Uh, well, he's in mainstream news anyway. No, Caroline Flack, but not, but not mentioned. Caroline Flack uh, was on a, uh, was also on an ITV program uh, called Love Island. She was presenting it. Uh, she had a row with her boyfriend, and ITV sacked her. And then shortly after that, she killed herself. And. Um, and, and at about the same time, the Jeremy Kyle show was exposed as being extremely abusive. Um, and a lot of people were 
extremely depressed and made more depressed by being on his program. And he had this little machine, a lie detector, which wasn't always that um, uh, reliable. 60%. And, uh, and, 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 and a number of people have died. Um, we, we don't want to sort of overemphasize that. But, uh, but, but so the, the government convened a DCMS committee. And that was set uh, that, that was set up in 2019. And it heard, I think, about 32 uh, testimonies, mostly from producers. And it heard from four um, uh, um, contestants or uh, talent or um, uh, so a handful. I was always going to say a hand job of talent, but that, that wouldn't be correct. And, and it never reconvened <laughs> after <laughs> Boris stopped. <laughs> so, so, so when Boris called an election in 2019, uh, the committee was was truncated or, or, or suspended, and it was never reconvened. And 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 then uh, the uh, the ideas the committee presented then became the basis of a regulation put forward by Ofcom uh, and policed by Ofcom, which basically gives production even more power. And this is the problem. So what we're looking at, we're, we're certainly looking at an issue about safeguarding. We're looking at an issue about um, power, which has gone to people's heads. We're looking at somebody who who may or may not have groomed somebody who was very who who he first met when he's very young, but the relationship itself in the in the dressing room didn't happen until the fellow was at least nineteen. So I think um, I think that was legal. Philip Scopel said it was unwise, but legal. Very very interesting statement. Um, and you know it's about an abuse of power. But I don't think the Philip Schofield abuse of power is the area that we should be looking at. We should be looking instead at the abuse of power of ITV because suddenly, suddenly the point is this is ITV. It's the same programme. It's the same channel that did Caroline Flack and Love Island. It's the same channel that did Jeremy Kyle. It's, uh, and, and the government, the government, I think, has got blood on its hands quite literally because it didn't, it didn't, continue that investigation and that investigation was wider than just reality tv reality tv i think we're now up to 52 suicides on reality tv i was on reality tv i know how abusive and how controlling producers are and why shouldn't they that's what they do during the shows and it's very difficult to switch that off so for their own good we need a government that's actually going to say once people are off these shows there has there's a team of professionals who can come and look after those people who've been on them and the same is true of other forms of cheap television, like Sofa Sleaze, which is what um, Good Morning, uh, what, what, what is it, uh, th This Morning is. They're, they're, all these names are interchangeable because they're just filling up time. It's, it, it's cheap television, but cheap television can be good. The ephemera is important. So, you know, when we look back at history, when, when, when the archaeologists are digging up our detritus, lots more for me than others, uh, when, when, when people are digging up our bits and pieces, they're going to be finding the sweet papers of today, the Kit Kats, the, the flakes, and, the, and they're not going to be able to find, find out what we said because it's all on computer. They won't be able to access it. They'll find these sweet papers and say, ah, this is the age of the flake, or this is the age of the lava lamp. And that's how we're going to be defined. <laughs> we're going to be defined, we are defined anyway by the ephemeral, as indeed the ancient Romans are defined by what they left behind in Hadrian's Wall. Yeah. Um, and you know, an interesting point. So, 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 so the ephemeral. We shouldn't dismiss the ephemeral and say, "Well, this isn't important. This isn't this isn't as important as as Starmer or as or, or as things going on in Kiev." It, it 
I, I, I agree. There's a range of, of importance, but uh, the Philip Schofield thing has dominated the front pages of the newspapers for, I think, 23 days. And, and, and the whole thing has been stage managed and controlled by people like um, uh, GB News. Uh, it's become a wonderful opportunity for people to rant. I know nothing about ranting, but wonderful no. <laughs> people to rant, like Eamon Holmes and uh, who, who, who's the other um, insignificant person? I can't. Uh, anyway, a, 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 so, a, a, sorry, Tim. A, can, can I ask a question about this? Um, yeah. Two questions: Can he come back after this? Is his career no. over? Or you know, could it be like in ten years' time he comes back and all is forgiven? Or uh, and the second question is, you said no to that. The second question is, why the heck doesn't he just go away somewhere? Like, go, he has the money, go live on an yep. island and be, you know, switch <clears throat> off his phone, throw it, in the, throw it in the bin, don't turn on the TV and just, you know, be with his family and just move on from this. Yes, well, well first, first, first of all, I don't think he can go back to ITV, but then maybe ITV will collapse. I mean, uh, Caroline McCall, um, she, she's now been called to to give evidence to the DCMS committee, it, it realises that it's made a mistake, I think. And it's doing a quick scurry to, 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 to pick up the pieces before it has egg on its face as well. Uh, Martin Frizzle, there's there's rumours about him. They will come out in the next week. Uh, he's the he, he's the production boss of This Morning itself. There's so many, there's so many people. Um, uh, Kevin Ligo is the ITV daytime... Uh, controller. His daughter is the agent for the person who's going to replace Philip Schofield on the on the sofa, Josie Gibson. So you know uh, the Borgia Pope's rear keep rear, it keep rear, it all in house nepotism. Um, yeah. I, uh, the whole thing is scurrilous and sordid. Now, can Philip Schofield go and live on an island? Well, of course he does live on an island. We're more of an island now with Brexit. You know, we should celebrate <laughs> that. Keep it here. But um, uh, I think Philip Schofield will have a future, but not in television, because Philip Schofield was a phenomenally brilliant um, uh, theatre performer in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which I hated because, because I don't like the music. But Doc, Dr. Doolittle, he was stupendous. And that, I think, might be his future, to go back to the theatre. Uh, he, he is a star. He can perform. Uh, he's, he's got star power. Uh, Hollywood I, forgives. I, I, don't, I think it's more than everyone forgives. He's not done... You, you know, if, 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 as he says, it was unwise but legal, I mean, there's, there's a ton of people who've, who've cheated on their wives. And, and, and now, now I notice he's been dropped by the Prince's Trust. That was the thing set up by Prince Charles before he became king. Um, what is it about Prince Charles? His wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what, more, what more can we say? But, you know, Philip Schofield and M both hung out to dry. I have to finish that sentence, don't I? Um, both hung out to dry. And, uh, and, 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 and they're there. They're there to distract from the power-hungry execs and the completely um, uh, lazy... Uh, uh, parliamentarians, the, the, the this string of secretaries of state, starting with Oliver Dowden, who just couldn't be interested in the arts, Nadine Doris, who's only interested now she's out of power and and on G, uh, when TV TV talk or something, uh, and um, you know trying desperately to follow the um, what the, the 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 monitor and the auto cue. Have you noticed her pieces are becoming shorter and shorter because she just can't keep up oh. with the sentence? Uh, so uh, Oliver Dowden, Nadine Doris. Um, Liz Fraser, and who's the forgettable one? Um, 
Michelle Donnellan, all of them, all of them, they're more interested in getting their hands on the keys to number 10 or, or, or getting their hands on the person who's in number 10, Boris. Boris, we love Boris. And uh, they're We've not got a super chat, Professor Tim. We're going to have to bring in Curtis. Sorry. Right, what? That's okay. Go um, on. I mean, if, if you, I mean, I, there's a lot of passion there, which is Brando absolutely over. beautiful Brando to over. see. We've got quite <laughs> an odd question that's been thrown at us. But also, I mean, he did work in a broom cupboard as a children's presenter, which I do remember. And there's always that thing about coming out of the closet as a as an old term. So there's, there's some interesting things there. Um, Max, do you want to read that out? And we're going to go over to Curtis, because Curtis, yeah, yeah. we have <clears> not heard from you yet. And we're definitely going to bring you in now. I want to say uh, thanks, Fearless Wolf, for that. Uh, are they going to interview Gordon the Gopher? Maybe <laughs> and get his take on this. Or maybe there's something uh, happening behind the scenes there. <laughs> thanks for that. Curtis, what's your Thank take you. on this? Um, well, I I haven't been following this as, as extensively as other people. Um, so I don't want to try and input too much of the things I don't know. I certainly don't want to accuse anyone of things I don't know. Um, what I do think is really interesting is what you said about the positions of power. And there is a power dynamic here when it comes to famous TV presenters, as in Philip Schofield, and people who are not as famous. That's one power dy dynamic in itself. Now, of course, legally, he says there was no there was nothing uh, wrong there. It was unwise. But this person did know um, at the time as a young boy of 11 years old, I believe, Um Something 15. may not have happened. 15, 15, thank you. Something may not have happened at that age and then something happened. We don't really know. I don't want to speculate too much, but it doesn't mean that something didn't happen if he was underaged. So I think there, maybe I have a, a slightly less sympathy for Philip Schofield because we do know that there seems to be a cabal of people in Hollywood, uh, in celebrity culture that certainly do, um, I think, take advantage of young people. So... I don't want to, I mean, no one's defending him here, but I don't want to try and see this person in, in a good light. Um, I think it, it feels incredibly dodgy to me. Um, alluding to Max's question to you, I think he should just go away. Um, I don't like that he's been put in front of the TV and making these big apologies. And it feels like he's trying to garner sympathy. I think when you when you do something very bad, do something wrong and you apologise, and, and he did apologize, but I think an apology needs to be met with the correct action. And the apology should be, I, I apologize and I'm not going to try and make you understand. I'm not going to try and garner sympathy. I just apologize and go away. But it seems that he has had quite lengthy interviews on the, on the matter. Um, now, of course, we can't talk about this without talking about the role of the mainstream media. And you're absolutely correct in how the mainstream media has uh, perpetrated um misery on so many people and we talk we can talk about caroline flack and and we can see the 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 contrast between the way um uh the media is giving voice to philip Schofield and some people in the media are giving sympathy to him at the same time whilst having reality tv shows that are, st are still quite poisonous and you, you think about love island and and shows like this which i think love island is entertaining for many people but it's also i think it it, it gives uh a terrible view on toxic masculinity, uh, being the perfect person in terms of looks is all very, it's all very material. Um, and of course these shows are heavily produced. And I think that there's a lot of people who do go through a lot of stress. So I can understand that there's a, a mainstream media dynamic, but I don't have that much sympathy for Philip Schofield. I'm very much aware that there are people who have used 
his sexuality as a tool to beat him. We know that through the 80s and the 90s, and even today, the rise in much more right-wing forces that are trying to um, equate uh, the queer community, LGBTQ plus people as being groomers. And that's incredibly dangerous. And maybe there is an element here, but I don't want to use that as a as a complete cover for Philip Schofield. I, I don't think his actions his actions could be more than just simply unwise. But I think, yeah, he's got lots of money. He should just go away. Um, I don't doubt that he'll be back in some form because I think Alex, you said about how Hollywood forgives and they certainly do. Um, so yeah, that's probably my take on it. That's probably all I can really give. I, 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 just to interrupt for a second, I just want to bring in uh, something that uh, Audrey on the, the chat said. Uh, what about his, what about his family, his wife and children? Um, you know, they, they're the real victims in this. And um, yeah, yeah. Like they they have their. I imagine they're going through hell as well, where they can't leave their homes, or you know, I imagine they. And I and I I've been I haven't been following the story myself, but I mean, I I'm I'm subscribed. Apologies, I am subscribed to GB News just to see what comes in mm. from them, and it's twenty four seven. You know, yep. it's like what it's like with Harry and Meghan. It's the same. Oh, okay, this is some this is a bandwagon we can jump on, and you know, um, monetize it. And that's what's happening. Yeah, Tim. yeah. And I, and I think you're right. If you were to... So we we compare it to Harry and Meghan, right? And we say, well, how can you... They're, they're two completely different things. But in reality, is it? Because I don't think a lot of the mainstream media really care either. This is all This is all good commodity. For, this is commodity for them. This is good content for them. So, um, and you're absolutely right. We, what we haven't spoken about is his family. And they are the victims in this too. Um, and I think that maybe Philip Schofield should think about his family and maybe him showing his face on TV, prolonging this issue longer than it should be, is also hurting his family. Now, I think there's been a lot of death threats that's been sent to Philip Schofield. I'm not con uh, condoning that in any way, but these death threats can also extend to his family, too. So yep. I think we really need to be careful here. And we would ask the mainstream media to also be careful, but they have never really given a damn about people, regardless of their celebrities no. or not. But again, this is they're, they're not doing this to I don't think they're doing this to give his side of the story, to give context. It is just a great way of content for these people. And it's a way that um, in almost in a, in a, in a uh, capitalist realist sense from Mark Fisher is that even under capitalism, these things that we would separate under capitalism is still used against itself. I'm sorry, it's gone. It's gone a bit out bound there. Stay with me here. But um, I think it's content farming on real emotional issues. Um, but I just see it as a commodity and it's something that I have a big problem with the mainstream media. But yeah, we we really should be thinking about his family. He should be thinking about his family. family. And I think he should just go away for a long time, reflect, whatever, keep quiet. He's got a lot of money. Use his money to give to charity or, or to to make sure that his family are in good health. I, 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 would, go one, I would go one stage further than that, Curtis. I would say, uh, f f first of all, I, I, I want to emphasize um, I'm not I'm not sympathizing with yeah. Philip Schofield in any way. Um, and I think uh, I, 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 I think his um, his relationship with M is was was not only unwise, it was I think um, it, it borders on immoral because of this power dynamic uh, that, that 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 I think is a given. Um, but, you know. As for an affair, many people have affairs. Uh, I, I don't condone that either. As for his family, this is where ITV should be stepping in and um, and, and the aftercare, which simply doesn't exist. 
And that's one of the things which is being brought up again and again. I think the, the, the focus for all these days on Philip Schofield is to distract from the real um, harm, which is ITV itself. I, um, Carolyn McCall, the, uh, the, 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 the frizzle boy, um, all, the, all these other people, LIGO, all these other people, the execs, uh, the, the point is everybody knew about Philip Schofield. And this is going to emerge eventually. Everybody knew. So everybody was sitting on a time bomb. It only exploded because M confronted um, Holly Willoughby at the NTA Awards, I believe. And there's photographic evidence of that. And wow. a, few, a few days later, Philip Schofield came out as gay. And Joan Collins said, oh, but surely everyone. <laughs> and then she had to be, she had to be silenced. Everybody knew. Um, and if everybody, and it wasn't everybody knew about Philip Schofield being gay, everybody knew about the affair, about the relationship. So it's, um, and, 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 and these production <clears throat> companies are so desperate to keep their production on the road that they will do anything to silence anybody who gets in the way. And that's it feels, it feels very up. similar to, it feels very similar to Jimmy Samuel. Remember that Johnny Rotten came out on TV and said, I know some dirty little secrets yes. in regards to Jimmy Sample. Yes. And that was edited out, hidden in the archives, yep. and everyone ignored it. And yes. he but said, but of course, with Jimmy Sample, he felt he got, he got sidelined, not yes. banned, but sidelined from mass stream media. Of course. Because of that. Of course. But the, but the Jimmy Savile thing, we, we, we've got to make the point that Jimmy Savile was, we're, we're talking about real criminality. With, yes. With with Philip Schofield, we're talking about borderline stupidity and uh, and 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 a lack of um af uh, so so what what is it um not not aftercare not security um safeguarding we're we're, yeah. we're we're talking about a company ITV which is not is not doing its safeguarding and is not is not caring for people and and makes, and that you, makes you go because both you and I have been in education and worked within teaching. Yep. There's more protection there, and oh, yet well, you're still looking after people. There's I mean, obviously the young about protection, but but yeah. you have to be aware of it all the time, and that yes. uh, that again is the is the issue. Uh, Mark, you're going to say? Yeah, no, no. Just like uh, when we talk about a company, it seems that the media companies operate in a different way to normal other companies. Like for example, if we think of a of multinational, if this was happening in a multinational. Um, Philip Schofield, if he was the the executive or whatever, would have been fired straight away, and yeah, in, and, and whatever, and yes, the yes. the victim or whoever would have received support. Well, depending on the company, but generally they would try and sort this out, or they would have a code of conduct, or he would be fired. He would be, um, he'd be dealt with pretty quickly. But when it comes to media, yes. it's about okay. Well, this person mm. is making us lots of money. Let's, um, <clears throat> you know, if somebody comes forward with allegations, instead of actually firing the or dealing with the allegations what we do is we deal with the uh the person bringing the allegations forward um it's yeah it, it's 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 like a, a really corrupt system and mm. it, we're not learning the lessons as well i know obviously jimmy savile and philip Schofield are two entirely different things but it's it's about the conduct behind the camera it's about the conduct of these media organizations and we're not learning the lessons of it and you're absolutely right if this was a a big corporation or a big company, then the CEO would be fired, no questions asked. But we are, we're skirting around it or we're being a bit more relaxed on it because these people entertain us on TV and, and they make money from it. And it's really, really wrong. And, and I think, and 
I think there may have been, been a lot of people who known about uh, Philip Schofield in the in the background and were kind of told to shut up until it gets to the point where you can no longer hold it anymore. Um, but uh, I, I fear we may be in danger of of what I accuse the mainstream media doing of commodifying this. Maybe mm. we're commodifying it as well ourselves. But but I think it's important to talk about the role of the media, though, in a very serious way. Other In a different way, the mainstream media wants to talk about characters and personality. Um, as I said, I don't want to be in danger of commodifying this ourselves, but I think it's important to talk about the role of the institutions. I'm going to have to say, we've got a segue, unfortunately, Professor Tim, could I do the segue for a second? Go um, on, what's the segue? Because... What, do you think, what do you think my segue is? I have a suspicion, but this is... The, 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 the point is the Philip Schofield thing and the and the media is so obsessed with, with marketing their product through a personality that the personality becomes the product and the personality becomes more important than the product. And the same thing is happening in politics. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> have, I, have I done it well enough there? That was Go very on, good. On, Alex, take over. Unagi. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lava lamp that does it. Yeah, it conducts thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> who needs who needs YouTube and Zoom and telephones when you've got a lava lamp? It can do all. So, <laughs> the best of British engineering. <laughs> Sorry, I'm totally segueing there again into something else. Um, yeah. I mean, is Boris that product? I mean, we've got the COVID report coming out. We have Starmer in the Express. We, have we got two Brexiteer parties? I mean, it's 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 quite maddening to actually see all of this. Essentially, as as Professor Tim eloquently put, everything seems to be thrown into the product, and the product is now linked to Boris and arguably Farage, the name that shall not be named on screen. Curtis, oh. what are your thoughts on that? Um, if we talk about products and politicians, Boris Johnson is certainly more of a sellable product than someone like Keir Starmer. Uh, in 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 very wrong ways, Boris Johnson is far more entertaining in that sort. Um, look, let, let's let's talk about Keir. St- I mean, I'm going to talk about Keir Starmer's Express article. There's so many problems with that, and I think we'll agree. And I'm not sure how your audience feels with Keir Starmer's leadership. I'm on the left. I've been very critical of Keir Starmer from the beginning. Um. Now, in terms of the Express, why is he writing for the Express? A counterpoint could be, well, he needs to reach out to those that disagree. He needs to reach out to conservative voters. Keir Starmer is sailing in the polls. The Labour Party, the polling showing the Labour Party on for a huge majority. I think the polls are slightly out of whack. I don't think it's, it's, it's that clear cut, but I think Labour's going to win the next general election. So the first case of point is, why is he going to the Express? The second point is he's clearly using a lot of right-wing arguments, hard Brexit arguments, and he's written the Express. And I don't think that, and this is my opinion, I don't think Keir Starmer is that much of a smart political operator. I think he's enjoying his huge poll lead simply for, for two reasons. One, because Labour are seen as a, a more safe pair of hands. I think the last leadership may have scared off some people. Um, as a support of the last leadership, I can say that. Um, and the second thing is the Tories have completely imploded. Uh, we can see that the the beginnings of the end of the polling for the Conservative Party was was Liz Truss and destroying the economy and her being a, a, just a terrible prime minister, the shortest serving prime minister, might I add. So I think that Keir Starmer and the Labour Party enjoying that, but not on anything else. So I don't think that because people would point to Keir Starmer saying he's clearly a great leader because of the, the position of the Labour Party. I don't think that's the case because if we and I've, I've read the Express article and I read it again this morning that he's written in there trying to appeal to these voters 
And yet the Express still turned the, the article into a hit piece. They still yeah. made the point that um, Keir Starmer is a Remainer. He's going to try and bring us back into the, the EU by stealth. And these are ridiculous arguments. Um, now, I, I completely sympathise the fact that uh, he is um, a flip-flopper, because I think he is. I think he's one of the most dishonest Labour leaders we've ever had. I think he's just slightly dishonest, less dishonest than Boris Johnson. He's flip-flopped on everything. And I think that whilst he annoyed the left of his policy positions and scrapping the 10 pledges, he's now going into the realms of really angering the more liberal side of politics, those who really strongly care about Remain. And we can see there's a bit of a backlash now against him. Um, for me, uh, I think that... Uh, sort of hardcore Remainers and Liberals have had their wallets completely inspected by Keir Starmer. I don't think he has a Liberal bone in his body. I think he is an authoritarian at heart. I think he's a, a cop. <laughs> I think that's where his instincts are. It, not necessarily a left-right instinct, but an instinct of the lust for power. And I don't think he has a strong ideological view on anything, and that includes um, Brexit, which is where I push back against what the Express is saying or what some of the Tories are saying, that he is the secret Remainer and he's going to try and bring us into the EU by himself. I don't think he would do that because I don't think he's principled enough to have a stance on the EU. I think he said what he says to get into power. He made him, he pitched himself as a very Corbynite, smart business, uh, not businessman, but uh, a Corbyn in a suit, but also very much supports remaining in the EU just to win the Labour membership. And he, he's, he's pivoted on that. But I think... I just want to ask you a few questions about that. Do you think that it's um, a case of he believes that the that the general, pub, general population, the public, have moved more to the right and that he's like going, okay, well, I'm not going to upset the public. I'm just going to mm. give them what they want. Um and 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 also i believe that he's, he's we're not in 1997 territory he's he's not a tony blair so where yeah. some people some people maybe believe that he is that oh well he's he's leading because he's you know charismatic uh, i i agree with you it's it's about people really hate the tories and they're looking for mm. an alternative and maybe he sees as well i i'm not going to i'm not going to rock the boat i'm just going to give people what they want and you know, other other commentators have said that it's there's this focus on these marginal seats, and in these marginal seats, yeah. people don't want to talk about Brexit. They don't want to, they don't want anything radical, and he's ignoring the rest of the country in order just to focus on these. Um, but two things: so that he's not he's not uh, charismatic like Tony Blair, uh, so he's he he can't rely on that for winning a majority. But also the other point that um, it, it's just it's just really a case of. He believes that the country has moved, I don't know whether you mm. want to say more to the centre or more to the right, and that he doesn't want to to upset that. What What do you think about that? Well, I think it's interesting. When we talk about right-wing politics, it's well, we must move to the right on certain things because the country's moved that way. But we never treat the same with left-wing politics. You will note that in many areas, especially economic policies, we are on the left or the centre-left, if you yeah. will. Majority of people support public ownership. <laughs> Um, majority of people support abolition of tuition fees, higher tax on the rich, higher minimum wage, these sort of Corbynite economic policies. So, and and what we've seen with the cost of living crisis, what we've seen with more strike, uh, uh, trade union strike activity, people are, f are more radical in the economic sense. Now, that might not be across the board because then we have some really poisonous views when it comes to stopping the boats. Majority of people support that. Um, I'm not going to pretend we're some sort of left-wing country. But I find it interesting that if Keir Starmer moves to the right, oh, well, it's because he's trying to win over voters. Oh, it's because he's trying to do 5D chess. It's smart politics. 
But then why would he drop popular policies that are needed, which is of redistribution, of public ownership, of high taxes on the wealthy? So I think it's, a, it's again, it's where the, uh, a lot of the discussions around him is, is too binary. Um, now, I have no problem with compromise. I mean, I think I get accused a lot on Twitter that because I'm on the left, I support the last leadership that I'm some... Uh, I'm ideologically pure. Simply not the case. I I I think compromise is also good. I would take a soft left leader right now today. I think I would love to see Angela Rayner as the leader of the party, a northerner, uh, the leader of the party. Even Andy Burnham today. I mean, I think he Andy Burnham has improved so much from 2015. I think he's doing great stuff as Manchester mayor, saying the right things, talking up PR. Um, I think he'd be a great leader. So it's not about being having a, a pure left wing leader. It's that I think that Keir Starmer is quite right wing in his instincts and that he don't, I don't think he even comes across as a typical liberal. Um, mm. And in terms of trying to win people over, and again, we are in a cost of living crisis. We have people who can't pay their bills or struggle to pay the bills, struggling to pay rent. We have striking workers. We have NHS doctors, NHS nurses who are going to food banks. These these people aren't part of the electorate. These aren't working class people. And I think Keir Starmer is ignoring millions and millions of people. I get that, yes, the mainstream media is, is biased against striking workers. And I guess he's trying to play the game. But the, the counterpoint to that is I don't think he's, he's simply playing a game and if he gets in power, be a bit more left wing. It's because of the things he's doing behind closed doors, these stitch-ups of selections to rid the party of anything left wing. Of course, uh, not everyone that's been suspended um, weren't justifiably suspended. There are, of course, issues of anti-Semitism. Um, some people were rightly suspended. And that, that, that's not just from the left, that's from the broad spectrum of the the. Uh, political factions but behind closed doors Keir Starmer is uh, not acting like a democratic leader he is stitching up the party in his own vision and that won't work well for him even uh, Tony Brown 97 wouldn't dare wouldn't dare try and go for the left I mean of course he wouldn't put them in a shadow cabinet he had a few um, but he didn't even treat the left like that so I think Keir Starmer I, I think it's an excuse from people that are excusing his temerity to move to the right so easily uh, by a simple t uh, a campaigning tool to try and thwart the mainstream media and get the Tories out. I don't believe that in, uh, in, in any way. I think I worry how much of an authoritarian he is. I worry about him not opposing the, these, uh, the protest bills, for example. I don't think he's going to reserve a lot of things that we hate about the Tories. And I ask this question to people who, and I understand that this is not... To try to try and say you shouldn't vote Labour or anything like that, I think it's completely up to how you vote. But a lot of people said well, we just need to get the Tories out. But I ask people, what are the reasons why we hate the Tories? I hate the Tories because I think they're a classist party that hate the working class and the poor. I think they have policies that are destructive for marginalised communities, for immigrants, for refugees. I think they're a a party that its constituency is of the big banks and oil barons. And if I see Keir Starmer Labour Party going more towards that, then that makes me dislike them too. So I criticise uh, the party from the left to try and make a better Labour Party. Curtis, I'm going to have to bring in that we've got a super chat uh, from yep. Alan, uh, Alec Barrett. Uh, Max? Yeah, so uh, Alec, thanks so much, Alec. He says, uh, Starmer Labour are engaged in large-scale cons consequentialism at the moment, Machiavellian politics at its finest. Um, Tim, Tim, would you would you agree with yeah. that? <laughs> when when whenever we hear Machiavelli, I think of Cesare Borgia. Um, <laughs> during, during on his wedding night, uh, he wanted some help, and rather than taking an aphrodisiac, he was given a laxative. 
so he spent a lot of time in the loo. Um, but um, uh, could, 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 uh, it may be Machiavellian. Any form of politics is Machiavellian because the modern understanding of politics is that you get what you want. Uh, really, really, politics is about is about behavior in the polis, in the city, uh, and being able to talk in a friendly way with people who don't share your views. And we and we've run we, we've lost that spirit. Instead, when you look at the House of Commons, you see people sloganizing and sloganizing. I would like to see a different way of doing politics and a different way of doing actions and of uh, and, 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 a, and a way of um, why do we strike? We strike because we want to draw people's attention to our issue. But actually, with YouTube, with social media, we have so many other ways of drawing people's attention and engineer and and enlisting their support. I, I'm one. I'm worried that the that the way the strikes are going on at the moment, the government is calculating that the uh, that the ordinary people will lose support completely. What the, the the strikers will lose support among ordinary people because it's just going on for too long. That that, that that's one side. Can I can I pick up a point from Curtis? Of course um, you can. Go for it. Curtis, you said <laughs> you said in a, in a sort of throwaway line. There were a lot of throwaway lines, and um, but we don't have the time to deal with all of them. Uh, we'll do with that privately, Curtis. But um, the you said the majority of people support stopping the boats. I'm not sure. I, I, I think that's what mainstream media, me, media is putting across. That's what the government is putting across. I think you've fallen <laughs> for the propaganda of uh, of Suella Braverman. I can't believe <laughs> done this. I mean, propaganda is here and alive in this country as much as it is in Putin's Russia. And, yeah. and and the problem is we don't engage in propaganda properly. We think, well, if no. it's not affecting me, it's not propaganda. The, the the issue with Putin's Russia is that the BBC, the BBC, you know, is a wonder a wonderful institution. We should be targeting the Russians in Russia who are falling for this propaganda. They have nothing else to fall for. They've got no other channel to look at. And the same thing is true of Suella Brahman's propaganda. I did you did did you see? Uh, um, uh, what was it? Dua Lipa's piece um, in the newspapers today. Dua Lipa is this wonderful Kosovo Albanian, and she said she she rightly pointed out, you know, uh, the the Suella Braverman attack on Albania. The Home Secretary, not my Home Secretary, has never apologized to Eddie Rama. Has never apologized to the Crown Prince. That is xenophobia at its height. Yeah, and 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 she stood in front of the dispatch box saying. In as if she was some sort of maniacal Dalek. Uh, it's just, it, it just <laughs> now, now, now she's probably standing at the dispatch dispatch box saying, Evasion! I did not do a speed test. Um I'm sorry. Evade! <laughs> it's it's basically the same. She only she only has a two-syllable uh range. But there we are. So, so I, Curtis, what do you have to say to that? Not, not, not the invasion bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I won't come the, on the Dalek impression. About the fact that you've fallen for the propaganda. <clears throat> have you fallen for the propaganda? I like to think I haven't. Um, but <laughs> I think what we were, what we were discussing is about Keir Starmer's triangulation to to try and meet where the public are at. And I think that maybe it's not a majority of people that support the boats, but the polling has shown that there's far too much for my liking that support the boats. One person too many. Is, is is for me um but i can I actually agree with you in the point that just because there is a lot of people that have a certain view we should engage in this we should engage in the propaganda of it all i completely agree with that but i think that with for me where i'm disappointed in keir starmer's leadership is that 
he has not opposed this on a moral issue. I've seen his debates in PMQs and he, he seems to frame it in a way about um, strategic uh, issues or that, you know, we, we will do a better job of this. You're failing at this. When we should be, ha- we should have a fundamental discussion of how we treat human beings. And just because they're from uh, poorer nations, they, they they look more like me than a white person. Yet we still, we dehuman, dehumanify these people. Yeah, and I agree 100%. Like, and in the House of Commons where the attack line was not, well, these these people need help. It's well, you promised yeah. to bring down the numbers. Why aren't you bringing exactly. down the numbers? And, and I think yeah, I understand. Uh, and also the um, it's a tactic, but uh, but it's not good for putting society. students there. Yeah. So 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 the student population has been attacked since Mrs May brought in the hostile environment in 2012, 2012. and uh, and 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 if 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 like the NHS, you 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 you. You, you work out your business model on t- in terms of targets, then students are an easy target because you, you can throw them out of the country for, for some sort of um, uh, fault in their bureaucracy. And they'll be back in a few months' time and they're still going to be paying. It's a win-win situation and it's completely brutal and, complete, and, and then they don't get their exams because they haven't done all the work. It's completely brutal. It's completely immoral. We are fleecing students simply to get our numbers of people that we've deported up. Students but, should be in a different system. Uh, there's so much to unpack with everything that everyone said there. But essentially, so, no, no, no. I mean, they're all great points. I've just been sat back and listening. This is, a, this is one of my easiest shows ever, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I always, I always quite like the analogy that Suella Bravman is like Pretty Patel being a mogwai and eating food after midnight, and then you get the... Then you get to Brahman as a gremlin. It's brutal. But I think you're being very kind about Pretty Patel there. I I wouldn't. I think I think they're all deranged. I think, Mm. you know, they look they ignore that the fact that their ancestors came over and they pull up the ladder. It's no different to what the Americans used to do in the nineteen hundreds. On top of that, we've got a Holocaust survivor going, Can you stop using that language? Which she refused to acknowledge. On top of that, if you go and read, and I'm saying this almost every week now. Go and read Mein Kampf. It's exactly what Hitler says. He uses the word swarm. He uses the word invasion. David Cameron's used the word swarm to to, to define uh, migrants. It's abominable what they're doing. It's outrageous and it's being tolerated by the press. And the press are a problematic institution. Um, can, can they I just bring they one, need just for one to second. have a kick in the ass. Just for oh, one sorry, second. go on, Max. Yeah, yeah, no, and then I'll, I'll let you continue. But I have to highlight our good friend... Uh, and from the show Zoe Gardner, who, who who was one of the only people to ask the question, why do you want to bring down numbers? Why do we need to bring down numbers? Because the the minister would say that we need to bring down the numbers and the journalists would ask, OK, how are you going to do it? Never were they asking, why do you want to bring down the numbers? Mm. You know, Sorry, Alex, continue. <laughs> I just wanted to bring in that. No, no, no. I, it, it's a great question. It's 45,000 people. It's half of Wembley. So we deal with that almost on a at least a monthly basis. 100,000 going in an hour Wembley, but we can't process that. We c- They can process it in six months in uh, in Italy, and they've got people coming over straight to Sicily. It's almost a direct route. You've got France being able to process in eight months, but we take 14. We've no, got no, the COVID no, inquiry. Longer than We've that, got 12 Alex. minutes left to talk about this. I'm going to have to segue a little bit. So sorry. We've got the COVID inquiry. Sweden completed theirs in two years, and it's done. Ours is going to take 10 years. 
And it seems that Boris, and this is going to be the, the segue into this, Boris is, I would argue, pressed the new button and just thrown everyone into the pit of Dante's Inferno. We were talking about Machiavelli earlier. I'd say it's more like Dante's Inferno. Um, <laughs> so, so <laughs> it was interesting. Well, he brought up uh, Borgia. Jacob Reese Mogg like, used that as a definition. <laughs> so, so Borgia used to slice his supporting workers in half in public squares. And he made that comparison about who did he make that comparison about? His own Tory party or Tory members comparing them to Belgia? No, I can't remember. He did. He definitely made the comparison to someone. It was absolutely outrageous. But um, the 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 point being, this this all seems to connect. And let's segue into the COVID inquiry. Max, your turn. You're up. What are your thinking? What are your thinkings on this COVID inquiry? Why is Boris chucked those text messages out? What's what's our major issue that's going to happen with all of this? <laughs> there's loads of questions to ask. Yeah, no. What I find so hilarious about all of this is that you have this cult of personality surrounding Boris Johnson and a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago I, I don't remember maybe it was last month or whatever um they had a, a conference where it was all about Boris Johnson get Boris what was it the Democratic Conservative Conference mm-hmm. or organization or something really ironic but in Bournemouth yeah in Bournemouth they um but it was basically it's basically a cult of personality of Boris Johnson get they want to him they want to get him back into number 10 um, but he didn't even bother to turn up. So he's that lazy. And this is the wonderful thing about Boris Johnson. Well, not wonderful, but the iconic thing about Boris Johnson. He's he's so lazy. And mm-hmm. uh, but, but he's he, not I, as I lazy do... as Liz Truss. Sorry, not as lazy as Liz Truss. No, <laughs> or Nadine Doris. Uh, but um, but I, I think this is all about uh, stirring the shit, creating problems for uh, Sunak. Because he feels, or I don't know if it's he feels it, but at least his supporters feel that he was stabbed in the back. So, well, we need to get one back on, uh, we need to get one over on uh, on Sunak. And they don't care about the party, they certainly don't care about the country and the consequences that would have. Um, but but I think this is long term. This is about, okay, we know we're going to lose the next election. Let's put in somebody, let's put in, uh, let's have a new leader more to the right, somebody like Boris or somebody like uh, not that Boris is really right wing, but his support base is. Uh, but somebody like Swella Braverman. This is long term thinking. It's about getting rid of uh, Rishi Sunak. Um, and if he loses the next election, which he probably will, uh, they will say, "Oh, we lost because we weren't, you know, headbanger enough. We need somebody even more more to the right. We need somebody even more populist." And I, I think there'll be a battle between. Um, the factions supporting Boris Johnson and maybe the factions supporting Suella Braverman. Yeah, this is why we have to deal with Suella Braverman now. But have you noticed the two things about the COVID thing which have sort of been swept underground? Number one, uh, and Isabel Oakshop pointed this out. Number one, she, she, got, all, she got all these <laughs> she got all these uh, WhatsApp messages, but she didn't get anything from March 2020. And uh, Boris Johnson has now uh, many of the news organizations and mainstream news are saying, oh, Boris is Boris has surrendered everything he's got. No, he hasn't. He's no. only surrendered everything he's got on his new phone. So he's only surrendered everything from 2021, 2020, which is where all the decisive decisions were taken, uh, is missing. So we're, so we're already getting that propaganda machine pointing out that you've got all this stuff. No, you haven't. The really important stuff is not there. 
and and we're already being distracted and that's at this stage i, I think it's right just... to demand everything well I, I think in terms of boris johnson he <laughs> was someone who wanted to become prime minister but not actually be prime minister because he didn't want to do the work it was it was all about the the, the having the power the popularity to be in that position and that was it but being prime minister requires work so i think that yes he didn't attend these co cobra meetings partly because yes lazy but also contempt but he he simply didn't care about being an effective prime minister he just wanted to be there so, the same way that donald trump when he became president he wanted to have the name i am the president but he didn't want to do any work did he of course these people would have never put policies that we were supported anyway um but I think that when it comes to COVID, there's a reason why our response to COVID has been far worse than many other nations. And that boils down to the fact that the Tories, they are, in terms of their ideology, are opposed really to state intervention in a big way. So it was never really going to, it was never going to go well because their initial response was, let's just have herd immunity. Boris Johnson said, let the bodies pile high. They simply just wanted to do nothing. And if there was a broad consensus to do nothing, the media didn't want... And, and us lot didn't want a response to it, they would have happily sat back and just let it happen. Because they are, in terms of their ideology, they are opposed to having strong state intervention. And it was because there was large um, oppositional forces to enact a state intervention to that furlough. That's, that's why we got it. But in in in, in the bigger, the whole picture, the, the bigger picture, it was never going to work because you had people essentially who didn't want to bring in COVID restrictions in the first place, broadly anyway. And that, and that definitely goes into the libertarian side of the of the Tory party. So I think that is why it failed a lot. And of course, once again, it's it's just contempt for ordinary working people, contempt for health workers. Um, because I'm sure they would have that many people in the Tory party would have protected their families very well, but not not extend to the rest of the country. Um, but yeah, I think Boris Johnson, and you're right, it's kind of a cult personality. He wanted to be prime minister, not do the work as prime minister. He had a Tory party who didn't, who had, it was so in, in opposition to these big interventions from the state to, to help us through COVID that it was never going to work. It was always going to be huge failures. Before, I'm going to I'm going to bring uh, well, in a super chat that we've just received. Oh, sorry, Max, were you about to do that? Yeah, well, I was actually going to bring you in, and then but before uh, mention the super chat uh, from the Freckle Pony. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Johnson is the Tory version of Owen McLove. <laughs> for anyone who's familiar with <laughs> Father Ted, <laughs> Owen McLove, who's who's a who's a parody of uh, Daniel O'Donnell, I believe. Um, I believe so, yeah, and also has the Knight of the Grannies, who seem to be infatuated with him, which I do wonder. Is that something similar that we see with Boris? Is it the older generation that seem to have some sort of infatuation and wanting of him? I, I don't know. Um, it was quite funny that you said, I, th I couldn't tell if you said Ewan or you. I assume you were referring to me to bring in. Um, I would, <laughs> just because you said that. Um, yeah, he's, uh, I, I, would, I would slightly argue with you, Curtis. I would say they didn't have a plan. Mm. I think they just had no plan. And that's why we had PPE shortages, because we should have had stocks. If you look at the stocks list that we can, what we have in access to, we can see through the Freedom of Information Act, most of it had been expired. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You just need someone to go off and check the stuff inside the, the, the stockpile and go, is this still usable? Do we need to bring in more orders? They hadn't done that. And literally, the, the worst irony was they just started doing it in December, about, and they had about two months ahead. I don't think I think they're a racist towards Asia. I don't think they took Asia seriously with SARS. Mm. 
And there was a lot of information coming out of Asia saying, take this seriously. I was uh, working as an education consultant. I phoned up Hong Kong and they were telling uh, schools in Hong Kong, private schools, and all going, we're all closed. We can't open. And it wasn't being reported in the news. Took one phone call for me to then go for about six weeks beforehand to friends, only close friends. Be aware this is coming and it looks pretty serious because Hong Kong is completely shut down. So someone's taking this so seriously that, you know, that's not normal, not even in China, not even, and especially not in Hong Kong at the time. So I'm going, they're incompetent, they're lazy, they don't give a shit about the public. I'll add in, we only had one sort of committee meeting every seven years about a pandemic. They have three meetings a year about the Queen's death. So where's the priority? We've had no statues about the COVID dead or the nurses that sacrificed themselves. But we've got massive memorial ceremonies towards the king and the, mm. uh, the death of the queen. It's, it's, it says something even bigger about the class system in this country. And what you said earlier, I'd agree with, the Tories hate poor people and people they consider inferior. And frankly, I would go so far as to suggest that a number of them, significant people within power, are quite happy for them to die. Professor Tim, on that cheerful note. I, um, right, right, I, I love the idea of death and Tim, but um, uh, <laughs> I feel like surviving it anyway. But the, 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 the uh, sorry, I, I, I feel we are sort of going to have to come to an end anyway, but uh, uh, Rishi, uh, there, is, there is a lot of talk in mainstream media about uh, the COVID, the, COVID uh, the government's response to the COVID um, inquiry and, and not letting this stuff get to the Baroness makes it sound like somebody out of the sound of music doesn't it which suits me but the uh but but the baroness will not get it why uh and and, and mainstream media is, is suggesting that rishi's got something to hide but i'm afraid alex you just put your finger on the issue the person who was health secretary at the time was jeremy hunt hunt has something to hide mm. and hunt may well be being groomed to take us all the way back to philip schofield to be the next prime minister, uh, to be the next leader of the Conservative Party in opposition, because whoever gets that job when Rishi Sunak uh, ceases to be prime minister is going to care manage the party through th through its split. And I don't think that's going to be somebody that that's likely. To, I don't think Suella Bradman is interested in that job. Somehow. I'm sorry to say we're out. And I am going to say one thing very briefly. If you enjoyed the show, please, please hit the like button. It's how it spreads the show. Um, on that final note, Max, what would you like to say as we go out? Um, just want to say thank you to everyone who came on today. Uh, thanks to everyone for smashing the like button. And thanks to our wonderful guests for their insights into all things political. And uh, yeah. thank you to our wonderful co-host, Alex. Alex, do you have anything to say before we go? Thank you to Killer for helping do a lot of the admin on the chat, live chat. You, you make a big difference to everything. And thank you to all of those who put in the super chats. Thank you to our guests. And we're out, everyone. And thanks Thank to Kevin Ladd just before we finish. Thanks for that last super chat. Thanks, guys, and uh, we hope to see you again soon. My Thank pleasure. Bye-bye.